0: Hey, thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Good morning. What's up, Journey? How are we doing today? That was all my bad. Man, it's good to see y'all. Y'all give it up for the band real quick. They led us well in worship. And my, I think my favorite part about that was that last song when we were just, it was not a lot of music and just everybody was just worshiping Jesus because that's what it's all about here is we want to make it all about Jesus. Well, I'm glad to be with you today. If you don't know who I am, new to Journey, my name is Tracy. I am not the lead pastor, um, but I am always excited to have an opportunity to be able to share God's word. And uh, we just came off of a whole series called Promises, which was awesome. Today, we're starting a new one called Love your neighborhood which has neighbors in it but it's just a kind of a bigger idea love your neighborhood and i just got to be honest with that is like sometimes that's not easy to do would any of you agree with me it's not easy to love your neighbors sometimes if we had to be honest like i'll give you an example uh, like not long ago my wife comes home I'm not home and she calls me and she's like I think somebody hit our mailbox and I'm like oh my gosh you know you're like you're thinking and you're like did they stop did they, t- did they leave a note in the mailbox at least and you know it's like no did they leave $40 in the mailbox and you know maybe they're helping me out a little bit no 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 and I'm like oh my I wish I could find out who that was dude the week before I'm supposed to speak on loving your neighborhood right <laughs> Like I'm supposed to speak on this and I want to find this person, whoever they are, and I want to tell them what's up. Like, you don't just hit somebody's mailbox and, like, leave it hanging half over and falling apart. So, guess what I got to do yesterday? I got to put a mailbox post that I bought from Lowe's because I don't know, really want to build it because I want to watch the Georgia game. So, I went and bought it from Lowe's for $40, right? I bought it for $40 from Lowe's. And I, I got some concrete from my brother that he had left over. And I went, and I think that might be against the law from what I heard this morning after the first message. is that you can't concrete it in. I have no idea, but I did it. And... (laughs) It's in the ground, and it's level and all that, and I barely made it in time inside for the Georgia game. Like, come on, man. I'm supposed to be speaking on love your neighbor, and this happens right before, but you know what? To be honest, I think we all feel like that sometimes. I think we all, whether we're distracted, whether something happens like that, and we're like, come on, people. Like, come on. Just do right. Like, replace my mailbox, whatever it is. We get to this point to where when we think about loving your neighbors, it's not always the easiest thing to do, and so I want to talk about that today, if it's okay with you, just for a little bit, about loving our neighbors and loving our neighborhood. But if we're going to love our neighbors, we have to kind of look a little bit deeper than just what the dictionary says about what a neighbor is. Here's what it says. The dictionary defines a neighbor this way, a person living near or next door to the person referred to. Or it says a person or place in relation to others near or next to it. But the biblical kind of idea of a neighbor takes it a little bit further, to any person in need of one's help or kindness. And so one of the most popular stories, how many of you ever heard the story in the Bible of the Good Samaritan, right? Heard it, read it, right? Most of us. It's one of the most popular stories in the Bible, I think, generally speaking. And it's about this priest that came by, right? The priest came by and he looked and he kind of had warm, fuzzy feelings and he kept on going, right? And then this Levite came by and he looked and he kind of had warm, fuzzy feelings, but he didn't do anything about it. So there was kind of a love there but he just kept going maybe he was busy and all this stuff right And then the Samaritan comes by, and the Samaritan doesn't just look. The Samaritan actually does something about it. They weren't the same. They probably didn't like each other. There was probably robbers nearby. He put himself at danger in some way. He picks him up, and we know the rest of the story. He takes care of him. He pays even extra, and he's like, hey, if I come back and I owe you more money, I'll give you more money. We all kind of know that story. But based on that, I think Jesus, through his word, is defining what a neighbor looks like, defining what an actual neighbor looked like, and every time he refers to it, how we're supposed to respond when it comes to loving our neighbors and who our neighbor even is. And so I kind of read that story, and we're not talking about that story today, but I summed it up in my own words, and here's what it says. Anyone around us, regardless of their ethnic, religious, or socioeconomic status that we can love, and bless. Now notice, I didn't say just no matter how you look, no matter, that's your neighbor, but also that we can love and bless because I think when scripture talks about being a neighbor, it's not about just living in the vicinity and having warm feelings. It's more about actually when you see somebody who has a need in your neighborhood or one of your neighbors or around you, the people that you meet and greet and all that stuff. It's about when you see a need, I think the Bible says we need to go after that person and love them and bless them. If we are able to, it doesn't even say you have to, if you don't have the means, it just says, if you're able to, then that's your calling to do it. So someone said it this way, your neighbor is anyone whose needs you see, whose need you're able to meet. Timothy Keller, who was an awesome pastor, um, was in New York, said it this way. Not everyone is your brother or sister in the faith. True, right? But everyone is your neighbor and you must love your neighbor. The Bible talks about several different passages that I chose that I think kind of summarize how we should be as neighbors and who our neighbors are. Um, I'm going to read a few of them to you real quick. So James 2, verses 14 through 17 says it this way. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? And you're like, you're talking about faith here. You're not talking about neighbors. Well, let's read on. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose... You see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? He's saying your faith is directly connected to your neighborhood and your neighbors. And if you see something... That you can help and bless, and, and it, it could be anything. It could be emotional. It could be physical. They could have just lost a loved one. They might be suffering from cancer. It doesn't matter what it is. If you see something and you think about something you can do to help and bless that neighbor, then that's what you're supposed to do. Because if you don't, the Bible says, what good is that? If you say you love Jesus and you do nothing about loving your neighbor. I think that's pretty pretty um, important from Scripture. But also, a lot of times we get the motivation wrong. I had the motivation wrong yesterday when I was out there doing the mailbox trying to hurry. I was like, oh, I want to find this joker right here. And I want to give him a piece of my mind. I probably won't do anything physical, I don't think. But I just want to talk to him for a minute and just be like, dude, you can't even at least just stop and like offer to help? Like that's my mind, right? But then here's what Jesus says. Or 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I'd be only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and I had such a faith that I could even move mountains but did not love others, I would be nothing. He says, hey, it's okay. Go serve your neighbor and do all this. But remember that it's easy just to do something because you're obligated to. I want you to do stuff out of love because if you don't do it out of love and out of the love that is coming from me, you're just making a bunch of noise and it doesn't really matter. Wow. So number one, man, my... If I'm going to serve my neighbors and if I'm going to understand my neighbors and how I'm supposed to love them and who they are and what a neighbor actually is, then what I have to understand first is I can't just say something and not do it. I can't just say I love my neighbors and not serve them when I see a need, but I also can't go do something without having an absolute motive of love for them in the right kind of love. And then this is one of my favorite ones, and it's the shortest one, Galatians 5, verse 14. It says, for the whole law, like everything in the Old Testament leading up to this point, everything we've read, Galatians five fourteen, the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything can be summed up in five words, the scripture says. Love your neighbor as as yourself. That includes your neighborhood. That includes everybody in it. Now, this phrase has been around, but it's true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Serving people matters. Um, And a neighbor is not just some person who has like warm, fuzzy feelings for somebody. A neighbor, according to the Bible, takes it a step further and actually does something to love, to serve, and to bless them, the people around them. And here's the thing, like, we just mentioned it, the whole mailbox thing, all that stuff, like, it's hard sometimes, and the truth is, it's hard because we can be so easily distracted from being a good neighbor. That's the next thing I want to talk to you about, is that we get so distracted sometimes from being good neighbors in our neighborhoods, and in the grocery stores, and all of that good stuff, because we become focused on what we have to do, and we become busy, and we get in a rush, and we get in a hurry, and we get all these things done, and like, I got to share another honest story. Man, this is terrible. It's like confessions from Tracy today, right? It's crazy that all this stuff happens when I'm trying to prepare a message, God, on loving your neighborhood. But the truth is, I went to the grocery store last week and I was walking through there and, man, this is terrible. Y'all going to think so different of me. But I was walking through the gas station. I mean, excuse me, the Kroger's. I don't know why I said gas, but I was walking through there and I saw somebody from Journey that I knew and I took a hard left. Because you know what Tracy wanted to do? Tracy wanted to go, I wanted to get what I needed from the store and I was gonna go home and I was gonna get ready to cook and when I got done cooking, I was gonna sit on the couch because you can tell I don't exercise. But anyway, like I was just gonna sit on the couch and hang out and Tracy needed to get home so Tracy could hang out and just have a good time at home and wait on his wife to get home. But you know what, sometimes when you're in the grocery store you're just ready to get home and you see somebody you know, y'all don't lie, y'all have done it too. And I'm telling you, every aisle I went down, I kind of peeked. like I, when I got to the end, I'd be like, okay, they're not here. Like looking around because you can, you can see down a long aisle. You can tell where they're at and where, and all that. And if you noticed me and you dodged me too, maybe that was you. Maybe you were dodging me too and you need to hear this too. But there's a story and this is kind of what we're going to talk about in John 4. And, it, and, and this is an awesome story, it's this, and you've heard this story before, I'm sure. Raise your hand if you kind of know it. It's the story of the um, Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Anybody? Yeah. So we kind of know that story, but there's something maybe a little bit different that we see in this. So when you look at the story at first, for the first time, there's something great that happens. We all know this story. Like Jesus, he's going into Samaria. The Bible says he had to go through Samaria, and normally they would go around because Jews didn't like Samaritans and all that stuff, but he's going right in the middle of it, and he goes right up to the well. This is a cool part of the story. He goes right up to the well in the middle of the day, and he starts talking to this outcast woman. She was going to the well to draw water in the middle of the day. All the cool ladies that were righteous were going early in the morning in the cool of the day, but she was an outcast because, you know, she had five husbands and the one she was living with wasn't her husband. And so she was just there alone and nobody really cared for her too much to say, come with me in the middle, in the morning, just go in the middle of the day. We're good. We don't like you. So maybe it wasn't that bad. I don't know, but here's what I do know. She's there and Jesus meets her. No matter what she done, no matter we like. That's a cool story, right? We're gonna come back to that in a little bit. And at the end of the story, she ends up getting eternal life, the water that would make her never thirst again. And she walks, she runs to the village, and she's telling everybody about Jesus. Right? Great story. But when you look at the story again, you start to notice something might be wrong. You start to notice something might be a little bit off when you get down to about halfway through the story, down in about verse 31. What you see is that Jesus went to hang out with a woman and the disciples, we're going to read in a minute, but the disciples went into town to looked for some food. They was going to Chick-fil-A, right? So they were headed to Chick-fil-A and Jesus was headed to see a lady. And so when you look again, it's all happening in and around a neighborhood right where people live. And so the disciples were people, like, just like us, right? Like, they were people, they were messed up, just like Tracy, just like you maybe. And here's the deal. Like, they were people who had a relationship with Jesus. Like, I would imagine most of you in here would say, I know Jesus. Most of you in here would say, I have a relationship. I put my faith in Jesus. But the disciples were also people who were walking With Jesus, like day in and day out. And I would imagine a lot of you in here would say, I have a pretty consistent relationship where I would say, I seek Jesus and I walk with him. And I want to have that consistent, not just the day I got saved, but I want to know him more on some consistent level. And the disciples were also actively serving Jesus. They were actively involved in walking with him every day and serving. But yet we can see in this story And we're just like them, how distracted they got and how Jesus lovingly calls them out for it when it comes to loving the neighborhood right there where they were at. So the disciples got distracted when it comes to their purpose. Let's look in um, John 4, verse 31 through 34. Here's what it says. Meanwhile, so all that good story that we just talked about has just happened. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have the kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. That's kind of funny. Like, I mean, somebody else bringing food, dude. I'm trying to get his joker to eat. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment, follow along with me, comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So the disciples come on the scene and they come back right where Jesus was, where the woman had just ran off as they walked up. And the disciples are like, Jesus, we just went to Chick-fil-A. Are you hungry? You got to eat something. It's time to eat, Jesus. It's time for you to eat. And he's like, he looks dead at him and he don't flinch and he don't do anything. And he goes, Hey, my nourishment, my food, which is literally the same exact word as this: my purpose. My mission is a soul. The disciples were after a sandwich, and they wanted Jesus to eat a sandwich. And Jesus was after a person. Jesus was after a soul. The disciples were after the material and the physical, and they were distracted by all those things. And Jesus was right where he needed to be, talking to a person and saving them. And I'm telling you that I think most of the time in my life, if I'm, not, if I'm honest with you, I'm more like the disciples in this story than I am like Jesus because I'm walking through the grocery store and I want to get what I need. And when I get home, even though my neighbors may be outside getting the mail or whatever, I'm going to go straight inside because I have groceries to get inside. And I'm busy and I don't have time to talk to them. So let me just, let me just ask a question off the story I told just a minute ago about being in the grocery store. What if, and this is where God convicted me, As I was in the middle, literally, of thinking through sharing today. What if that person you avoided at Kroger just needed some encouragement and you saw them because I put you there to see them, to go speak to them, and you missed it because you were distracted? What if all it was was for me to walk up and say, hey, so-and-so, and they say, well, I'm not doing too good. I just need some prayer. What if I had an opportunity to pray for them, but all I did was bob and weave? Like, what if? I will never know, and that could be a distraction that I let get be more important in my life than a person. And I'm telling you, in God's economy, in God's kingdom, the spiritual people are always more important than groceries. People are always more important than physical things. People are always more important than what we have to get done because we have to build a mailbox post and watch the Georgia game. And I'm telling you, God convicted me in that moment as I got home. And I was like, well, I'm going to start looking at my stuff. And I'm like, oh, shoot. We're like them sometimes, aren't we? We're so busy with material things, with other things that we can miss out on God's mission Jesus said my mission is to do the will of him who sent me. That's my first mission that I have in my life. We're so busy sometimes that we miss it. Let me ask you a question and we'll kind of move on from this is um What more did you need to qualify you for heaven than you didn't have the moment you got saved? What more did you need? To qualify you for heaven that you didn't have the moment you got saved. Nothing. Did you hear me? Nothing. The thief on the cross. The thief is up there. He's messed up. He's being punished. He's never believed in Jesus. But that day he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him that day. He hadn't done anything good. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And after that, he didn't get baptized. He didn't join a church. He didn't do anything else. He went to heaven to be with Jesus because Jesus don't lie. And you're the same way. The moment you believe in Jesus, you don't need anything else. You could just go to heaven right there. Why are you still here? The reason you're still here is because God didn't just save you to take you to heaven. He left you on earth because he gave you a purpose. And that purpose is for you to not miss so many distractions that you can't love your neighbor and love your neighborhood in such a way that helps them to see the love of God in your life and through your life. I think we need more have-to-do moments in our life with our neighbors. That's the next thing I want to talk about. I think we need more have to do moments with our neighbors. I'm reading this book right now and it's called bless five everyday ways to love your neighbor and change the world. And in the book, the author says that he believes the entire world of people can be divided into three types of people, nothing to do people, always something to do people and have to do people. Here's, so I'm gonna read through these because I don't wanna mess it up, but here's what I wanna do, I wanna read them and if that resonates with you, if you're like, that's me, I'm gonna ask you to just like go like this, all right? This will just be fun for a minute. Nothing to do people, there's some people whose primary goal is to get everything done so they have nothing to do. It doesn't mean they have literally nothing to do, but it is more about motivation. They're motivated by the dreams of one day having, having nothing to do. They live for the weekend, the next vacation, eventually retirement, they live to rest. Their work is a means to only one end, that is to arrive at a time and a place where they have nothing they have to do. That's me. Anybody else? All right. Amen. I'm gonna go sit on the couch after I cook and I'm gonna chill because I got nothing else to do, right? Always something to do. These people can't sit still. Some of y'all are already raising your hands. They find rest a struggle because they much prefer checking things off of a to-do list that they have to do as opposed to sitting around. They live to get things done and they're often seen as very successful. They live for the task. They often have a job like a side hustle. They run marathons. They maintain the best lawn in the entire hood, right? Their work is a series of tasks and when the tasks are all done, they create another to-do list. Who's who's that? There y'all busybodies are, I like it, right? All right, but here's the other thing. Then there are have-to-do people. Now, these are people who have a calling. By personality, they could be a nothing-to-do person or an always-something-to-do person, but there's a bigger mission and there's a bigger picture in their imagination and they discover something that they have to do. I mean, they just have to do it. They're motivated by the truth that they're a part of God's great work And like Ephesians 2, 10 says, they're like this. I am created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. They live on that mission. Whether they have nothing to do or always something to do, they wake up every morning knowing that God has something they have to do. What kind of person are you? What kind of combination are you? I hope at least one of those things in the combination is that last one is that you know Jesus and he's put you on earth for a purpose. And you know what? John tells us that in this story about a time Jesus thought, I have to do this. It's easy to overlook, and we've already talked about it, so we won't dwell on it. But this part of the beginning of the story, like all over the awesome, before all the awesome details come and all that stuff happens, here's what it says. John 4, verse 34, Jesus, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Normally, they go around because they don't like each other. He had to go through Samaria on the way. He had to do it. He was a have-to-do person. I think John gives us a glimpse into the thought life of the pattern of Jesus right here. Jesus thought about his purpose and what he was put here to do. And he said, man, i got to go through Samaria. Y'all may want to go around and y'all may want to go get food. And you may want to do all of this. But I've got to do this because there's a lady there who I love so much that I want to go show them I love them and I want to save them. And Jesus walked right in there. And you know what happened? Just like we talked about. He said, give me a drink. She's like, the well's deep. How are you going to get a drink? How are you going to do all this? And he's like, well, if you take the water I give you, you will never thirst again, talking about eternal life. And she ends up having this whole conversation. In the end, the disciples show back up and she drops her water pots. I don't know if she threw them down, chunked them across the way. I have no idea how she did it. But the, the important thing is she went into the village and she ran. You know what she began to do? She began to tell each person because somebody loved her in her neighborhood enough to take the time to talk with her and meet her needs. She went and told every single other person about the one that changed her. Are you following me? It matters when we serve and love our neighborhood and our neighbors. It matters every single time. Jesus was a have-to-do person. What kind of person are you? Are you a have-to-do person? Among all the other things, do we get so distracted sometimes that we're not even paying attention? We're not even aware of what our neighbors are going through or what's happening. I'm like that in a lot of ways, and I want to be different. And then the woman at the well, she was changed, and she ran and told him. Here's what she said, John 4, 29. Come and see a man who told me everything I'd ever done. Could he be the Messiah? Do you know what she said? We can't change our neighbors, but we can love and serve them. You know what she said? I can't change you, but I'm trying to tell you just to come and see. I'm trying to tell you just to come and see this man right here who changed my entire life forever. I can't change my neighbors. I can't change my neighborhood, but I can one by one, if I will get serious and be a have-to-do person, And if I will not let distractions get in the way sometimes, and I'm telling you, you don't have to serve your neighbor every single day and never get your stuff done. But I think maybe sometimes it's once a week, maybe it's once a month, maybe it's twice this month. I'm going to try to serve somebody if I become aware of something I can do to bless and serve them no matter what. And all she did was say, I can't change it, but I can go tell them to come see I can tell them to come and see. I can tell them to come and see. And point them to Jesus. And that's our our entire purpose in life is to love people in such a way that when they look and see something cool about your life, you go, ain't nothing cool about me. Come and see. Come and see the man who told me everything I'd ever done, who changed my life forever. We're called to love and serve our neighbors. We can't change them. Only Jesus can do that. We let Jesus do the rest. We serve, and he said, I'll do the rest. We love and he said, I'll do the rest. In closing, I just wanna share a story and then I wanna get real practical this morning about this month of Love Your Neighborhood. But just to be honest, I don't understand it. I've already told you two stories based on this message and here comes the third one, y'all, I'm sorry. I'm going up there to start a couple weeks ago on this method, message. I'm gonna start preparing for it, I'm gonna pray and I'm like, man, I'm distracted around the office. So I'm like, I told, I told Alan, I'm like, I'm going up to Starbucks and I go up there and I sit down and I'm literally like one sentence in, I'm one sentence in. And this dude walks up, I had a Georgia Southern shirt on. He said, what year did you graduate from Georgia Southern? I was like, I didn't, but my daughter goes there. And so then he's like, oh, what do you do for a living? And in my mind, here's what I'm saying, man, I'm trying to prepare for a message. (laughs) This is God stuff right here. And you're going to walk up to me, and you're going to interrupt me and start talking. Dude, I got out of the office to get out of, away from distractions, and you're distracting me. I ain't saying it. It's just going through my head. And then I'm like, God, come on. And then you know what happens? I said, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm outreach pastor out the road at Journey Community Church, and he just sat down. And I was like, for real, God? Like, are you serious right now? Like, I was going to work, like, for at least an hour on this message. For journey. And he says man I'm about to ask you a question. That you ain't going to like. He said I've been in church for 20 years. He said I'm tired of God. God does not exist. And I am done with church. And he said here's your question. If God was such a loving God. Then why? And he doesn't exist. Because he would not allow crippled and deformed babies to be born. And I was like. God, I'm sorry. That message doesn't matter anymore. That distraction is okay. I got time to do that. This guy's struggling. I didn't have a a great answer for him. I think the best thing you can do in those moments is just ask questions and listen. And try to love that person the best you can because you never met him. We spoke, we talked back and forth for an entire hour. I was able to share about night to shine here. With journey. I was about to share how God calls us to love those those people with special needs. God calls us to, to really love them and care for them. And that's what we do. Like God loves them, those people. And I know you don't believe in them, but He loves them. He doesn't just leave them out there to, and not care about them. Like He puts them in places where they can be taken care of and loved. And some of those people teach us the best lessons in life. Long story short, at the end of it, he got my information. And he said, I want to go eat sometimes and let's talk more. And I'm like, absolutely. He did not give me his information, so all I'm doing is waiting, playing the waiting game, waiting on an email or a phone call or a text or something. I've been praying for that guy. But you know what? Like, when we really stop and think about all this stuff, you know what happens? We can get so busy, even with spiritual stuff, that we're not paying attention to the people God puts right in front of us to love. And serve. Would you agree with that? And I think sometimes that we just need to slow down when we can. I know we're busy. I'm busy too. But I think I need to slow down sometimes when I can and just pay attention to what's happening to my neighbors around me. Like, I think we would all do better just to start being aware of what's going on around us at church. You may be sitting near somebody today that needs an encouraging word from you, and that's why you sat there today. Being aware. You may go home today and see something happen in your neighborhood, and if you just pay attention a little bit, you maybe see a need. Maybe we'll see a need that you can meet and that you can serve somebody. When you're walking through the grocery store, sometimes it matters to stop bobbing and weaving and going everywhere else and trying to get away from people. Everything matters Because in God's kingdom, people are more important than material and physical things all day long. So I wanna encourage you, I wanna get real practical for a couple minutes if that's okay. This month is Love Your Neighborhood Month. This month, We are focusing in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors. We're focusing as a church on some specific things that we can do that we think God can use to make a big impact in our communities. And if all of us get involved, we can make an even bigger impact. So here's some opportunities I want to give you that this month You can serve and love your neighborhood very practically. The first one is called Love Your Neighborhood. There are three metal push carts all throughout, right out here and all throughout the atrium. And here's what we want to do. We have a school around Sherwood, our South Augusta campus, and we have a school right around this campus. And we're going to collect food items that are specifically listed that we know they need. That are specifically listed on our website on the What's Happening page. You can go on there, and if you don't want to go shop for these items and bring them to church and put them in those carts, you know what you can do? You can just, we have an Amazon wish list, and you can pop on that and you can order stuff, and it'll come straight to the church. You don't have to do anything. But we believe this is a huge impact-making thing where we help kids who have food insecurity on the weekend to go home with a bag of food. Every single weekend. That's what we want to do. We want to bless them in such a way and impact the community in such a way that they get that and they can see and hear a little bit about the love of Jesus. Another opportunity, though, is that as a church for the next three weeks, or excuse me, um, we want you as a family, as an individual in this month of November, even as a community group, to find something and someone in your neighborhood to serve practically. Practically. And if you have no ideas and you're not creative like me, we put a list of them on that same What's Happening page. We put a list on them and you, and you can go um, to that website and we just have some practical ideas. Like if you know your neighbor just lost somebody, get together with some neighbors and go like do a meal for them or something. But practically love, like go find Tracy's house and put up a new mailbox for him. Just kidding. But we want you to practically look and be aware and actually do something. It might be once a week. It might be one time this month. Maybe as a family. It doesn't matter. Our encouragement is for all of us to get involved and see how that makes an impact in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And the last thing is that as you leave today, you can go right up here to the big wooden wall and there's going to be some Christmas trees and they got angels all over them. It's this thing that if you don't know what it is called angel tree. And with angel tree is a practical way that you specifically can help a family that needs a little bit of help with Christmas presents for their kids this year. That's what it is. And this year, y'all, we have over 500 kids nominated that we have an opportunity to be extravagant and to be givers with. You can grab one angel. You can grab two. We'll give you a list of what to shop for within that age group that you get. You grab Angel off a tree and you take it to the high top table over there and they'll set you up. And they'll give you that list and they can help you out. Y'all, imagine the impact Journey can make if we just love kids in this way. And then later on in December, about mid-December, we're going to set it up like a target. And they get to come here. We ain't just going to give them like gifts. They get to walk through and actually shop for what their kid would actually like. We treat them with dignity. We want to love on them. You can still volunteer for that, but you can also go get an angel and provide and help a kid with Christmas and a family with Christmas this year. So I want to encourage you to really think about doing that. And I want to encourage you. Jesus told us that his food, his purpose was to do what God called him to do and what God sent him to do. The disciples were distracted, and they were worried about, they were trying to get God's chicken from Chick-fil-A. That's what they were doing. My encouragement is to do something. Do all three, do one, do something, but don't miss out on an opportunity that God calls us. He calls us. All of the commandments can be summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's have a great love your neighborhood month, not just at church, but in our neighborhoods and where we shop and where we get groceries. And I'm going to work on it too. Can we do that? I'm going to pray. Lord God, I thank you for today. I thank you for how good you are. I thank you for how awesome you are. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much that you want to show us in your word these things because you have a purpose for us. We need to be have to do people sometimes. And I pray that you would make us aware today, this week, next week, the rest of the month, aware of how we specifically, how you're calling us to serve our neighbors, to love our neighborhood. And Lord, I'm just asking you that you would pour out your love on us and help us to have that as we go out, to have the right motive Not just to do things, but to do it out of the love of Christ that's in us. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for worship. I thank you for everybody that showed up to worship you. And we want to say that it's all about you. We want to give you all of the glory for everything today from the worship, from the songs, to everything else, Lord, from your word, being able to just share it. So, God, help us. Help us to live out your purpose every day and to remember what your word says that we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.